Ephesians chapter 2, we'll just read one verse, verse number 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in the time past, in the lust of, the, of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So Paul has, in my thinking, has told us in the first chapter how that this work of God has brought us to salvation. In the second chapter, he comes back and he shows us what a condition that we were in when God did His work. So last week we looked at verse number 3 and thinking about verse 1 and 2, we were dead. We were following the ways of a lost and a dying world. We were under the control and the power of the devil. And we were children of disobedience. And that, in my opinion, you know, folks would, folk, there'd be folks that would argue and say, well, you're not really a sinner till you get to be, you know, seven or nine or twelve or till you understand. But I, I, I would say this at nine or twelve, you know, it certainly doesn't have to be that age for sin to be revealed, does it? Isn't sin revealed? Isn't the nature, the disobedience of the child revealed long before, you might say, a place of comprehension, uh, the word or the term, maybe a, a, an age of accountability? But what's in there? Isn't sin in there all along? I believe, I believe exactly right, Chris. I believe from birth, I believe we inherited. He's going to say this, among whom we all had our conversation, our behavior, our lifestyle, in the time past, in the lust of our flesh. So there is the lust of the flesh, and the flesh being the whole man there. Then we look a little farther, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So the word desires... So there is a, a, a drive. There is something within. And he's making a distinction between that drive and that natural, that even that animalistic drive that's in man. He's, he's contrasting that or making at least making a difference in the sins of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the mind. I told you last week, and I believe you, I believe you're made up like I am. I have I have. I'll just say this: I have less trouble with my flesh than I do with my mind, because my mind is the beginnings of what is brought out and comes to fruition in the flesh. So, you know what we could say about this. And I don't believe it'd be a stretch in any way. The whole man has fallen. The whole man is depraved. And I thought about this. Maybe, maybe you could see what I'm saying here. We hear around our country and around our world that man can make a decision and man can come to God. Well, I'll say this. If man's mind was separated from sin 
and his mind wasn't involved and fallen in sin, then he might think and choose God. But his mind is just as fallen as the rest of him. Paul's gonna, Paul has already addressed that, that we were following the lust of the flesh and the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So until the mind is changed, why would I ever come to God? Why would I have a desire to come to God? I'll say this. If man must be born again, born from above, regenerated, born of God, if man must be born of God, without that regeneration, what condition is man in? (laughs) Why, he's fallen and headed to hell. Man is fallen and going away from God. Man is fallen and rejecting God. God turns the light on, and you know what man does? He runs to the darkness. Now you tell me that man, outside of a work of God in the heart, without regeneration, without a new birth, I mean, he's, he, he says in uh, John chapter number, uh, chapter number 3, he says, Verily, except a man be born again. Now that must come first. Except a man be born again, unless a man be born from above, he cannot see. Now, he doesn't mean that I'm not going to enter in. He means that I do not have the comprehension of what the kingdom of God is. I have no desire for it. Roma, uh, uh, John chapter number 3, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. Now listen to the next verse. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he's not believed on the only name, uh, on the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. Now look at the condition of man. Light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. So you're going to turn the light on and expect me to come to that? (laughs) That's not my nature. I'll have to be born again my nature. Ephesians 2 and 3. We were all by nature the children of wrath. We were all children of disobedience. We were all under the control of the devil. We were all following in the steps of the fallen world. We were all dead in trespasses and sin, and it will take a work of God in you to bring you to the place that your mind will be changed, your nature will be changed, that you can even respond to the call of God. That may be rejected. But the Word of God will back that up. You will never, ever choose God until there is regeneration. Uh, 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 One more verse. Verse 36, John 3.36, He that believeth on the Son of God have everlasting life. 
He that believeth not on the Son of God shall not see life, but wrath, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now let me ask you, when did that come? When did you believe? Until you believe, the wrath of God abideth on you. Until you come to a place of putting faith and trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the wrath of God abideth on you. Man loves darkness. Man's going to run from the light, go to the darkness. Man hates the light. Man loves his sin. And there's just no way to get around that, folks. You, 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 can, you can say that they're moral. You can say that man is good. You can say, well, he was raised this way. I tell you, inside his nature is a child of disobedience. And by nature, let's just read the last of that verse. So we followed the behavior and the time past was in the lust of our flesh, the whole man, fulfilling the desires... So there's the drive, the longing, that that man longs after and desires, the desires of the flesh, there's the animalistic part of man, and of the mind. So here's the mind. We've got to deal with the mind as well. I hope you remember, you know, what's in the mind. Well, I believe there's murders in the mind, there's jealousy in the mind, there's envy in the mind, there's ambition in the mind, there's pride in the mind, there's knowledge in the mind, there's all of these things that man wants to be. And you know what they are? They are in opposition to God. They really are. I I want to be better than you. I want to be recognized more than you. I want God to bring retribution on you. If you do me wrong, I want vengeance. Where's that at? That's in my mind. Is that of God? No, that's, I tell you, that's my fallen nature. And were by nature, again, I'd like to look at this word, were, and notice, past tense. Not going to be. We were. We were. So we were dead. We were under the captivity of the devil. We were walking according to the prince and the power of the air. We were children of disobedience. We were by nature the children of wrath. We were by birth, by growth, by germination, by natural production, by lineal descent. We were. Not we will become. We were. That's what you inherited and that is what I inherited from the fall of Adam. That's in Romans chapter 5. Without any question, by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. You're going to die. And if you're not saved, you're going to die eternally. Unless there's a new birth, you're going to die eternally. But with a new birth, we're brought out of this state of being a child of the wrath of God. We're brought into the family of God. By nature. So that word, uh, uh, and, and he says this, that we were all and were uh, by nature the children of wrath. Verse, uh, uh, the first of that verse, among whom we all had our conversation. So it's not all in the first of the verse and a few in the last of the verse. It's all of us. So there's none excluded. The Jew, the Gentile, the moral, the immoral, 
we were all in this condition. And we were, by nature, by birth, by lineal descent, we were as... a. Excuse me, as others. We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. What's the others? All the rest. If you're not saved, we were just like the unsaved. You know, God has brought us into the family. I don't have not one thing to boast in. You know what I'm going to boast in? I'm going to boast in the cross. I'm going to boast in the grace of God. I'm going to boast in the work of Jesus Christ. I'm going to boast in the finished work. I'm going to boast in the fact that God brought me. I'm going to boast in the fact that God chose me before the foundation of the world. I'm going to boast in the plan of God. Not in me. I was like all the others. You are too. None of us were any different. We were all cut out of the same cloth. We were all out of the same mold. So as you think about this, that sin, that sin, listen to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15 verse 19. And I know this is very familiar, but listen. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands defile not the man. What's he really saying there? Where's the sin at? It's in you. Now listen and think with me. So murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, lying, blasphemies, You know what those are? Manifestations of what's in you. A bringing to the outside what's in you. We are by nature, as all others. That's what's in man. Without regeneration, I tell you what man is. Man is all of these and that is within him. He says to us also in Romans chapter number 9, Chapter number 9, and this is talking about Jacob and Esau, but just listen to what the Bible says. Romans chapter 9, verse number 11. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said of her, the elder shall serve the younger. Let me ask you. No good or evil. So is that in them? That's in them. They're not even born. But you know what God knows? There's good and evil coming. That's what's in man. So we were all by nature, the children of wrath. You know, David, David come to the terms of what was in him. He realized what he was. David said that he was a sinful man. David said that he was born in sin, conceived in iniquity. You remember what Peter said when they caught that great catch of fishes? Lord, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. 
What about Isaiah when he sees the glory of the Lord and, and, and he says, Oh Lord, woe, woe, woe is me. Holy, holy, holy. Oh God, how can I be in your presence? I'm a man of sinful lips. I live in, a, in the midst of a people of sinful lips. What did he see? He saw the sin was in him. What about the Apostle Paul? Did he come to the realization of what was in him when he saw Christ? How about the prodigal son? The Bible said about the prodigal son, when he came to himself, did he realize what a sinner he was? You know, that's a work of God, folks. For Peter to fall on his face and fall on his knees and say, Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. There was a revelation there. For Isaiah, for Isaiah in chapter 6, to say these words, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Was there a revelation there? Chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, you know what it is? Woe, woe, woe unto Israel. But I tell you, chapter 6, when there's a revelation of God to Isaiah, it's woe is me. It's going to take that, folks, for my family and your family to be saved. But what is man's condition? What is the condition of man unregenerated? And we were by nature the children of wrath, even as all the rest, even as others. So a new birth is absolutely necessary. Well, we're going to abide. I mean, he said in John 3.36 that if we're not born again, he that believeth on the Son of God has everlasting life. He that believeth not shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So this wrath, what does that mean? It means anger, passion, punishment, indignation, vengeance. I believe you could say this, it's a just punishment, a just punishment from God on the unbeliever, on the unregenerate, on those that are sinful. Now who sinned? Everybody has sinned. So it's a just recompense of reward. Is it God flying off of the handle? No, it's not God flying off of the handle. It's a just recompense of reward for the rejection of the light, of the knowledge. Our, our nature, nature itself declares that there's a God. And you know what man does? He shuts his eyes to that. God comes by with His gospel and man says, I'll reject that. Stephen said, you do always reject the Holy Ghost. Is that man's nature? Unless God does a work and gives you a new nature, unless you're born again, you will always be a God rejecter. And what's that going to bring? It's going to bring the wrath of God. 
And you might say, well, I just don't think that's fair. Well, I tell you, it's a just recompense of reward. I wrote this down, a just punishment against sin, against ingratitude, and against rebellion. You think man's rebelling against God. Is man rebelling against knowledge? Is man rebelling against conscience? Is man rebelling against nature? All of the above is true. We're living in a world that is an absolute rebellion against God, against nature, against conscience, against the Word of God, against what's right. Man is continually in rebellion. And let me tell you this, that there's coming a day of recompense from God that we were all by nature the children of wrath. I was there and you were there. And I just want to read a few verses. Listen to David in 2 Samuel 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Nathan is telling David about the rich man and the poor man and the poor man that had the one ewe lamb and the rich man that had all. And the traveler came by and the rich man spared not to take of his own flock, of his own herd, but he took, he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it. And David, 12 and 5, and David's anger... You know what this is? This is the wrath of the king right here. This the indignation. This is the anger. This is the passion of the king. This is what the king says. This man, this is what he deserves. I don't believe there's any one of us want to get what we deserve. I don't believe there's anybody wants to get what they deserve. But David said in 2 Samuel 12, 5, And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that had done this thing shall surely die. There's what's deserved. There's what's a just recompense. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Let me ask you, can David restore, can David restore your eyes wife fourfold? Can David restore your eyes life fourfold? Can David get rid of this sin? No, it can't be gotten rid of. But you know what David's ready for? He's ready for the wrath of the king to fall on this man. Did, did this man in the little parable, did this man deserve this? By the law, he deserved it. But you know what he got? What he got in verse number 13 of this same chapter. David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord hath put away to carry away. The Lord hath forgiven thy sin. Thou shalt not die. There's the mercy and the grace of God. Now David rose up and wanted this man. He wanted vengeance to come on this man. But I tell you what, when Nathan said, Thou art the man... 
Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, gave thee thy master's house, thy master's wives into thy bosom, gave thee the house of Israel, the house of Judah. If that had been too little, I would have moreover have given unto thee such and such things. You know, I could put myself there and you could put yourself there too. God has blessed us abundantly, hasn't He? And you know what I've done? I've went against conscience, went against the Word of God, went against nature, went against that that is right, and went against that, and God has been merciful unto me. But you know what I was? I was a child of wrath. 2 Peter 2.14 2 Peter 2.14 And after this, we'll just look at this word wrath a few times. 2 Peter 2.14 Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. Wouldn't you hate to be under the curse of God? Let me tell you, there was a man that was under the curse of God. That man was Jesus. Jesus was under the curse of God. Cursed is every man that hangeth upon a tree. He took the curse for me that I could have the goodness and the graciousness of God. Now, if you will, let's... let's Think about this for a minute. The fallen nature of man, the just punishment of God for sin, for rebellion, for ingratitude, for uh, our sins. Read with me and I'll try to stay in... in, in, in uh, I'll try to stay in the right order where we can just keep going towards the back of the Bible. Look at Luke chapter number 3 and verse 7. Here's John the Baptist, and this is what he says. Then he said unto the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? What's coming? I tell you what's coming. Justice. Now, you might not think those two are the same. But you see, when I put the Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died for my sin, when I put Jesus Christ, the Son of God, without spot and without blemish, when I put Him in the equation, when God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him, if I reject that, If I resist the working of the Holy Ghost, what's left? Justice. And justice is the wrath of God. You know what hell is fueled by? The wrath of God. The anger of God. You might say, well, it's fueled by those sinners. Well, if you want to look at it in that sense, that's just fine with me. 
But I tell you what's being poured out on them is the wrath of God is being poured out on the rejecter. The wrath of God is being poured out on those that have never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you might say, well, He's pouring His wrath out because of unbelief. He's pouring His wrath out because of sin. There's a greater knowledge for some folks. So there's greater punishment, isn't there? So the greater knowledge and the greater opportunity and their worm dies not, is that going to bring a greater condemnation? According to the Word of God, it is. So if Sodom and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah went to hell, and Bethsaida and Capernaum are going to receive a greater condemnation. And it would be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, now remember that if Sodom and Gomorrah had had the opportunity to repent, they would have. Preacher, now I don't believe that. Well, it's in the Bible. It's in, I believe it's in the 11th chapter of Matthew. If they had have had the opportunity, they would have repented and Sodom would have remained till today. But know this, they did not have the opportunity and Bethsaida and Capernaum did have the opportunity and hell was going to be worse for them. Now you can think about that however you want to, but I can't think of any greater punishment than for me to remember. When he says to the rich man, remember, what a terrible thing to be in hell and remember. What a terrible thing to be in hell and remember the opportunity. What a terrible thing to be in hell and remember the resistance to the Word of God. What about being in hell and sitting in the church house under the gospel and end up in hell and remember the many times that the Word of God came by and spoke to you and came right down your tater row? You know what the Bible said? We just we touched on it not too awful long ago. They perceived that He spoke of them. You remember that? If those people ended up in hell, know this, they're going to remember their perception that He was talking about them. So go with me, John 3. We've already read this. John 3.36 so again, let's read this and think about why he's saying this. He that believeth on the Son of God. So God sent His Son to die. Sent His Son into the world because He loved the world. To die, that whosoever believeth in Him might not perish, but have eternal life. How long is man going to perish? Well, what's the other side? If man is going to perish forever, the other side of that is the believer is going to live forever, right? So we love to embrace that. 
So if we love to embrace the fact that if we believe we can live forever, then know this, that as has been said by part of the congregation, if you are an unbeliever, you're going to suffer the wrath of God forever. We're going to suffer under the wrath of God eternally. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. I believe you could say this, presently and future. The wrath of God abideth on him. If you're an unbeliever, it's not when you die. Oh no, the wrath of God is already there. The wrath of God is laid up in store. We are heaping up on ourselves destruction. Romans 2 and 5. Romans 2 and 5. And this is just a few of the instances of the word wrath used in the King James Bible. Romans 2 and 5. But after the hardness... Now, listen, here's man. Here's man. After the hardness and the impenitent heart, we refuse to turn. We're stubborn. After the hardness and impenitent heart, treasure up to thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. You know, right now, we don't see the judgment of God all that much, do we? You look through the Old Testament, you might see Korah, and you might see Abiram, and you might see those a few instances. It seems like great wrath. We might see Sodom and Gomorrah and Korah and Abiram and the Kohathites. We might see that. But you know, overall, I tell you what we see. We see the mercy of God. But there's coming a day that this wrath that is hidden to man. You see, man thinks he's getting by. Man thinks that gain is godliness. Man thinks because God, I tell you, it's something. It's something. If God punished sin, the moment it happened, there wouldn't be a one of us here. There wouldn't be a one of us. But some folks think that the long suffering of God means that God's not going to do anything. Some folks think because God doesn't execute judgment speedily, they can continue on in sin. But know this, Romans 2 and 5, But after the hardness and impenitent heart, treasure up to thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Verse number 8, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. What's laid up for rebellious man? The wrath of God. Romans 5, 9. Romans 5 and 9, the Bible says, being much more, much more than being now justified by His blood. Who are these? These are believers who are justified declared to be righteous by the blood, by the life given, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. From the wrath of who? The wrath of God. You need not worry about man. Jesus said, don't worry about man that can kill the body. 
But worry about him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. That's who we need to worry about. What is man needing to be saved from? The wrath of God. Romans 12, 19. Romans 12, 19, the Bible says this, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So Paul is saying there, don't try to bring your wrath down. Leave it to God. God will bring His wrath down and God's vengeance will be sufficient. In Colossians chapter number 3, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 6, Colossians 3, verse 6. For which thing's sake... So I'm going to back up just a verse or two. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. Therefore, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things the sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Isn't that what he said we were in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3? Verse 2, we were children of disobedience. Folks, outside of salvation, the wrath of God is going to fall on us. Outside of salvation, the wrath of God is going to fall upon every man born in this world. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 10. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 10. So verse 9, For they themselves shew of us what manner of entering we had unto you, how that you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven who He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. How wonderful that we are delivered. 2.16 Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sins Always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. Here's people that are opposing Paul preaching. And what's Paul say? He says, for the wrath is to come upon them to the uttermost. 5 9 in 1 Thessalonians. 5 and 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 3.11 Hebrews 3.11 So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Why did, why did God do that? I tell you, they did not believe Him and their unbelief brought about disobedience. He brought them. I don't believe there could be any generation of people saw any more miracles than the children that were brought out of Egypt. What miracles they saw made a difference when the hail fell out of the sky, when the moraine on the beast came, when there was darkness that could be felt, when their firstborn was killed. 
they were excluded. What miracles! When the Red Sea, <coughs> when the Red Sea parted, and they went through on dry ground, and Pharaoh's army and Pharaoh and his chariots were drowned, and horses were drowned in the sea. When God Almighty gave them water out of the rock down at at, at Meribah, they saw more miracles than I and my thinking than any generation. And they rejected, and God said, I swore in my wrath. God said, they're not going to enter in. Four and three in that same book, Hebrews. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6, verse number 16 and 17. Is there coming an end? There's coming an end, folks. And when he opened the sixth seal, that's in verse number 12. And lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars fell from heaven unto the earth, even as a a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. You know what? Those figs that were green, those figs that were untimely, it wasn't likely that they would fall. But I tell you, there was a mighty wind. Man is going to be taken by surprise. You think Sodom was taken by surprise? You think the earth was taken by surprise in the days of Noah? Said they knew not until the flood came. They were marrying, giving in marriage. Let me tell you something, friend. If you're lost and undone, death and hell will come as a surprise to you. It'll come as a great surprise. But know this. Let's read just a little more. And the heaven departed as a scroll is rolled up together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens, and in the rocks, and in the mountains, and said unto the mountains, and to the rocks, Fall on us. And hide us from the face of Him that sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of His wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? The wrath of the Lamb? What Lamb? The Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. The Lamb that stood forth in the midst that came out of the midst of the throne. The Lamb that died, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God that died on the cross of Calvary on a Friday afternoon. That Lamb, that Lamb, that Lamb that gave His life, that Lamb that loved, that Lamb that was merciful, that Lamb that was all long-suffering, that Lamb that said, Father, forgive them, that Lamb that took my sin, that Lamb is a Lamb that's going to turn on the wrath of the Lamb. That same Lamb, if you reject the Lamb, that same Lamb that was merciful and long-suffering and died on the cross is going to be a Lamb of wrath. 
The only thing that there is when we reject the call of God, the only thing there is when the Holy Ghost goes out and Stephen said, and you always do resist the Holy Spirit, the only thing left is the wrath of God and of the Lamb. Oh, Jesus would never send anybody to hell. They were praying for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them, to hide them from the face of Him that sat on the throne and from the Lamb. That same Jesus, that same Jesus that died on the cross is the same Jesus that is a consuming fire. That same Jesus that said, Father, forgive them, will be a friend one that says bind them hand and foot and cast them into outer darkness. You need not think that this is going to be some little lamb. I'll tell you when you see him the next time, friend. It may be in your remembrance the lamb that died on the cross. But it'll be the line that comes out of the tribe of Judah to devour and to destroy You know what the lions did to those men that were thrown in when Daniel came out? Oh, I tell you, they made mastery of them. There's another side to this God that our world thinks is a God of love. There's another side to this weak, this lamb that is submitted, this lamb that surrendered this lamb that was obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. There's another side to that lamb. There's a side of that lamb that the wrath of God is going to come out of. We've never seen, we've never seen the wrath of God. We may have seen some great pictures of the wrath of man. If we would look in Isaiah chapter 53, we could see the wrath of God. On a spotless, innocent Lamb of God, the wrath of God was poured out on a Friday afternoon. He was beaten beyond recognition as a man to what the Bible says. The Bible says this. If this happened to Christ for my sins, what's going to happen to man that's unsaved? Listen to these words. Now here's the Lamb of God. But in Isaiah 53 is the wrath of God poured out on the Lamb. Who had believed our report? He'll grow up as a root out of dry ground. There's no comeliness, no beauty. Despised and rejected. Not only is he despised and rejected by man, he's despised and rejected by God. God is going to turn His face away from the Lord Jesus Christ and the light of the world is going to go out from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 
Jesus is going to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There's the wrath of God. There's the wrath that abides man. That man has never seen the wrath of God. I'll tell you, you want to see the wrath of God? Let's look at Calvary. Let's look at Friday afternoon. Let's look at Friday evening from about five o'clock, about five or six o'clock. We'd call it Thursday night, but they're going to call it Friday. Starting at six, six in the evening. Here he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And friend pours out his heart and pours out his soul. And friend, his sweat becomes as great drops of blood. You know what he's wanting to do? He would like to get out from under the wrath of God. He would like to be out from under the separation from God. He would like to be out from under that. But no, he says, my God, if this cup can't pass from me, you know what God's going to do? God's going to give him the cup of the wrath. God is going to give him the fierceness of the wrath of God. And he's going to drink the cup that should have been mine and should have been yours. There's the wrath of God poured out on the innocent. In our smugness, in our piety, we're never going to have anything in our heart that even gives any praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we think we're going to heaven? You mean God poured His wrath out on Jesus so I could be saved? And I say I'm saved? And there's never a word of praise or acknowledgement out of my mouth. Why would I think for one second that you're saved? Why would you think for one second that I was saved if there's never anything comes out of my mouth to praise the one that saved me from the wrath of God? So Friday evening, here comes one of his own to kiss him. Can you imagine how painful that that is for one of your own? I believe you said it in the psalm, my friend. I believe he said to Judas, friend? Betrayest thou the Son of God with a kiss? There was part of the wrath of God. Friday morning, beaten. Friday morning, mocked. Friday morning, a crown of thorns beat down on his head with a, with a rod. Friday morning, stripped down naked and beaten with a cat of nine tails. A purple robe put on him to make fun of him. Taken out to a cross. Hung up naked on a cross before the world. You know what's happening? The wrath of God is being poured out on the Lord Jesus Christ that I and you could be saved. I was under that wrath. That should have been me. That should have been my punishment. That should have been me that was there on the cross. That should have been me under the wrath of God. That should have been me that was beaten by His stripes. We're healed. 
We all like sheep have gone astray and God laid on Him the iniquity of us all. There's the wrath of God laid on the Lord Jesus. He, he says to us in... Uh, he says to us in uh, Corinthians, For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. You know something, folks? I don't know how to even think on it. But everyone that will ever be saved, the payment for that sin was realized in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now if a man is going to die and spend eternity no end, I don't know how to wrap my mind around that other than this, that he was eternal himself. And God poured out His indignation and the wrath of God that should have come to me and should have come to you and to those that are saved. He suffered that wrath and paid in full the payment for my sin and your sin that you and I would be able to go free. The wrath of God, friends... I don't believe there's any greater display. You might say, well, I, 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 I believe it was when the earth opened up and swallowed that crowd down there that opposed Moses. What about a man hanging on the cross that was absolutely spotless, blameless, had never had one thing even come out of his mouth? How much greater is that wrath on the innocent Lamb of God. There is a picture of what man is going to suffer. If God poured out on His Son the innocent, blameless, spotless Lamb of God poured out on His Son such wrath, What is He going to pour out on fallen, sinful, rejecting man? Romans chapter 3, and I'll hush just a second. You know, we don't realize where we come from. I really don't believe we realize where we come from. We were ever one under the wrath of God. We were everyone liable to die, and I tell you, after death, the judgment and the wrath of God. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. So God hung Jesus Christ. This is Romans 3.25. Whom God has set forth to put on exhibit a propitiation, an atonement, or a satisfaction through faith in Him, in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness. Can God overlook sin? How are you going to get in? 
How are you going to heaven if God cannot overlook sin? The only hope that there is is to come through faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. God put Jesus on public display that He might declare His righteousness, that He might be the just. So here's God the Father hanging God the Son on the cross that He might be a just God and for those that put their faith and trust in the finished work that was done at Calvary, that He might be a justifying God for us through faith. We were all under the wrath of God and if you're unsaved tonight, the wrath of God abideth on you.